I don't believe in no one's scenarios. Data, 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 I cannot make bricks without clay. I don't know where you get your delusions, laser brain. <laughs> Hello and welcome to a special Cheeky Scientist radio show. Today I'm going to take you through 45 negotiation scripts. I've never shared these on a radio show. I don't think I've ever shared these publicly. I'm fortunate enough to have learned from uh, one of the best negotiation masters in the world, Don Asher. Uh, have worked with him. He has a PhD, incredible negotiator. Uh, he is the program leader for one of our advanced programs, the PhD Negotiation League. Very grateful uh, for his insights over the years. He's published numerous books uh, on the topic. He's been uh, published in uh, media all over the world from the, the Wall Street Journal and beyond, and uh, even has his own seat on an airplane. If you've ever seen that movie Up in the Air, he is that guy. Uh, I've learned a lot from uh, other uh, negotiators in different spaces, including uh, real estate and beyond. Uh, but what I love about Don's strategies are that they work for salary negotiation. And Don has a PhD as well. Uh, so really, he understands where most of you are coming from, from getting nothing in terms of pay. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak out each of these transcripts. So whether you're listening in the classroom, the lab, walking, exercising, driving, uh, you'll be able to take these in, learn from them, and understand them. I do want to talk about a little bit of uh, the overall strategy when it comes to negotiation, some, some soft spots that uh, you can leverage or change for a big impact right away. Because what I see, unfortunately, is most PhDs, they wait until they actually have a job offer to learn about negotiation. But things move way too quickly in negotiation. Uh, and negotiation starts when you upload your resume. You've seen it. You've been asked what your salary expectations are when you upload your resume. You have to be prepared because hiring managers, recruiters, they will negotiate seven to 10 times a day with seven to 10 different people. You'll do a salary negotiation seven to 10 times in your entire life. So think about the difference there. You're not going to outsmart or outnegotiate. You, you're never going to accumulate enough behavioral practice so you need to memorize scripts, memorize them so well that you internalize them, and then you can say them in these conversations naturally. On top of that, this is where you can really win as a PhD. Uh, it's called the briefcase strategy or the briefcase technique. Uh, for non-PhDs, you know, this is illuminating, right? Like bring documentation. But for a PhD, it's a no-brainer. Bring research, bring data, bring data, bring data when it comes to the numbers you're going to be negotiating and put it on paper. People believe what's on paper, especially if you're negotiating with somebody who's not a PhD, which is very likely going to be the case. Memorize scripts, bring data on paper, pull out a chart in person on a Zoom call, uh, type it down, give a reference for salary ranges, for the cost of living. Uh, this will make a lot of sense as we go through these different negotiation scripts. Now, because today's a special day, I just want to announce, if you didn't know, it's the seventh birthday of the Cheeky Scientist Association. I started Cheeky Scientist in 2012, and then a couple of years later, created the Cheeky Scientist Association. It's helped thousands of PhDs get hired in industry, 
And today, Monday, February 15th, it's the seventh birthday of the association. And we're doing a special where we're rolling back the membership price to 2014 levels when the association first kicked off. It's 70% less than the current list price for today only. If you're listening to this on February 15th, go to cheekyscientist.com. You'll see a banner at the top you can click on. You can also just type in PhDs, get hired on your mobile phone or on your desktop and read through the enrollment page. Now's your chance to get in. You're never going to see the 2014 prices ever again. This is a special rollback uh, because of our seventh birthday. Okay, so on to the scripts. When it comes to negotiating, the first thing that you need to uh, know how to talk about, how to uh, you got to be able to converse about salary not being your first concern. Of course, you are concerned with salary, right? I like to think about my time working as a waiter. Uh, you know, it taught me a lot about what waiters experience when you go to a restaurant. If you've never worked as a waiter or a waitress, I highly recommend it. Uh, because you'll you'll see things from the other side. You'll see the service industry. You'll understand how tips work, right? Depending on uh, you know your 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 culture or your country. Uh, but why this is relevant here is because even though salary might be on your mind, that's the biggest concern for you. You have to focus on things beyond that, or else you're just going to seem like somebody who cares about the money, doesn't care about the job, doesn't care about the team, doesn't care about the culture. It's too easy to slip into this. It's too easy to exude this and employers hate it. Yes, of course, they know you want to make the salary. Just like right when I was working as a waiter, I was thinking, oh man, I really want to do a great job performing here, serving these people so I get a, a good tip, especially because where I was working, they didn't even have to pay minimum wage. Uh, you, would, you got paid like $3 an hour uh, and the tips were supposed to make up for that. Uh, it was one of the, one of the states in the U.S. where that was where that was the rule, and I was always thinking I got to make tips, or I'm not even going to make minimum wage. But you don't come out and tell the people, "Hey, I want to do a good job because I want to get a good tip." You know, if they ask for you know the recommendations, I don't say you know whatever is the most expensive because you're probably going to give me ten percent or more of that as a tip. All right, so just because it's on your mind, you don't bring it up. Now. Most employers, hiring managers, recruiters, they're going to ask you very early in the hiring process, what salary would you expect from this position? What would it take to get you on board with us, right? I want you to think about this and practice and role play with somebody else, do mock negotiations so that you get used to hearing things in different conversational ways. Most PhDs are too literal. They don't practice things behaviorally. So I can tell you to you know, be aware of the prompt, what salary would you expect from this position? And you'll be looking for that exact prompt, but it won't happen like that. They might say, well, what would it take to get you on board with us? Or, you know, what range are you looking for? Or, you know, what, what are your salary expectations? How much do you want to be paid? And that'll throw you off if you're not practiced behaviorally. So when you encounter those questions, you want to turn the situation around, right? You want to, you want to turn it around by asking for more information. Yes, you're answering a question with a question usually. Uh, you can say, can you tell me the range you have budgeted? That's how you could respond. Well, what, what range you know, do you typically pay for this position? And then you want to turn it away from salary, especially if it's early on, especially if you're on a, on a phone screen. Right? For, the first, for the first 80% of the job search process, if salary comes up, you just want to 
deflect, deflect, deflect. Because until you have an offer in hand, you have no leverage. So you'll say something like, and here's a script, salary is not my first concern. I'm much more interested in learning more about the opportunity and the people who will be my future colleagues. Can we come back to this later? Script number two for this situation. I'm very excited about the opportunity, so of course I'll consider all reasonable offers. I love that one. It's short. It's sweet. You, you change the conversation by saying how excited you are about the opportunity, and you say, of course, right? It stays overly positive. Of course I'll consider all reasonable offers. Um, as long as you can make a competitive offer, I'm sure there won't be a problem. If you think you're in a strong position, maybe you have a second offer. This is a great short way of saying, you know, just kind of planting the seed, letting them know that you know your value. A fourth script for the situation. I'm open to a wide range of salaries. I'm sure this won't be an issue for us. By the way, who is responsible for making those decisions? Ah, you see what that one, that script does? It, it helps you understand who's making the decision. Is it the person you're talking to, the hiring manager? They likely have some leeway. They might be one of the decision makers or a decision maker up to a certain threshold, but there's very likely somebody behind them that's the actual decision maker who has the final say. This is a great way to respond to their question with a question, right? So it's almost like you're negotiating information. You're going to give them a little information about what you're open to, a wide range of salaries, but you want them to give you some information back about who's making the decision, right? There's a very powerful force that we all are kind of guided by, the law of reciprocation, it's often called. If you haven't read anything on this, just look up the law of reciprocation. Somebody gives you something. It makes you much more likely to give them something back, and it doesn't happen consciously. Uh, it, it's it, there's a like a subconscious pull to do this, and this is what's uh, this is what will be used against you by hiring managers, recruiters who negotiate all day long. These subtle conversational forces that really rely on reciprocation. Here's a longer script for the same scenario. I'm sure you have a range of compensation. Uh, that you're working with, but I think it is premature to get into details before you're sure uh, that you want my services and before I'm sure there's a good match between my skills and interests. Um, when you're ready to make an offer, I'll be eager to discuss the details, but until then, I'd rather concentrate on what the position entails, uh, the kind of performance that's required, uh, how I might get my first promotion, and that sort of thing. All right, so this is something that's a bit longer. You don't have to say verbatim. You could say it conversationally if it was a phone call, or you could type it in an email. Okay, so it's very important to be able to discuss salary without getting uncomfortable. It's very, it's very important to be able to deflect a conversation about salary when it's early uh, in the job search process. But you can see how you can start planting seeds, right? You can start gaining information that's going to help you later. Uh, sometimes you'll be asked about salary uh, in, for a position that might be in a very expensive city. It's a good time to say something like this script, you know, uh, dot, dot, dot. Of course, I'd have to make a lot because it's San Francisco or because it's London or because it's New York or because it's Sydney. Or in a perfect world, I would like to make XYZ amount. But of course, that may not be possible. I'll, I'll consider anything that's fair. So XYZ might be an amount uh, that's at the level of what housing costs in that particular city. So you want to start thinking about these different anchors. You really want to know what the cost of living is going to be. You can even ask questions 
throughout this process of, about what housing prices are. Do you happen to know uh, what the average house price is in the area? Uh, or with, you know, and you can target different locations if you've done your research and, and you'll ask them about the more expensive location. Now you might be like, whoa, 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 Isaiah, this sounds like a lot of work. I don't like these games. I don't like this pressure, this psychological pressure, this law of reciprocation. There are peer-reviewed journal articles in behavioral psychology uh, publications on this. Uh, the law of reciprocation, this, these are real things with hard data behind them. They exist. And you can act like you're above it, but really that's just a screen for you not wanting to learn it. You don't want to get comfortable in it. You're, and if you don't, you're, that means you're willing to give up tens of thousands of dollars just in your first position rather than learn how to negotiate, rather than memorizing these scripts so well that you can say them. You would rather stay comfortable, go work in the lab, go back to the classroom, whatever it is, and give up tens of thousands of dollars. In fact, that's what you're likely doing right now by staying in academia or staying unemployed or working for free. You're doing that because you would rather do that than get uncomfortable. I know that because I was there. A job search is uncomfortable. Negotiation can be one of the most uncomfortable parts. But once you have the information, if you learn it, if you practice it, it becomes easy. And you can do it. If you can get a PhD, you can do this. You need to do this. Negotiation is the fastest you will ever make money. A couple of key phrases or scripts done at the right time in the right way can make you tens of thousands of dollars. But while it's also while it's the fastest you'll ever make money, it's also the fastest you'll ever lose money by not doing it. Now, what if they ask about your current salary? I have some scripts for that. This is something that a lot of PhD students, postdocs get asked. Uh, you don't want to reply by telling them, you know, framing your stipend or fellowship as if it's a salary. Instead, you want to say something like this script. Well, what I'm earning in academia is really not relevant. That was a different situation. I am interested in earning a competitive salary for this particular position in an industry setting, since that's going to be much higher than uh, what I was earning in university. I'm sure this won't be a problem for us. Or in academia, I actually didn't earn a salary, but rather received a stipend. So it's not relevant in this context. Do you see the theme here? It's not really re relevant. Change the, change the name because you know, it's not a salary. It's a stipend. It's a fellowship. As long as I'm compensated competitively, I'm not going to be unhappy. Salary is not going to be a problem for us. Notice that theme for a lot of these responses too. It's not going to be a problem for us. You're deflecting, staying positive. My previous work is a uh, is in a different industry, and it's not really relevant to this position. Plus, I'm very interested in this opportunity, the people I have met, and where this could lead in five years. I'm sure salary will not be an issue for us, right? So come back to things outside of salary, the team, the culture, the company, uh, and, and talk about how it's not relevant. A lot of PhDs come to me and say, hey, I'm trying to get into a new industry. I'm trying to get a job in a different background. This is a great script for you. Right? They start asking you about salary, et cetera. Talk about how, well, I'm in a different industry, so it's not really relevant. All right. So when you're talking to the hiring manager or recruiter, don't let yourself get locked in by something you said previously. Now, be responsible. Don't verbally agree to a salary offer ever. Don't ever do that. Always a mistake. They will use it against you every time. That being said, there are some great scripts to help you get out of that, get out of the situation where they're leveraging your past words against you. 
So if you're listening to this and you've already verbally committed and now you're like, shoot, I should have negotiated. Try this script. Well, I believe I spoke prematurely in our first meeting. Now that I've looked into the position and compared it with similar roles, I think that the salary may need to be revised. How much room do you have to go up? Ah, I love questions like this. Questions are power powerful. All of you listening, no matter what your background is, interdisciplinary, STEM, doesn't matter. You understand the value of a good question, okay? Of a hypothesis, right? A hypothesis is a question. Questions uh, dictate people's focus. How about this script for the same situation? Well, I have more information now than I did before. And I think that considering this position, a higher salary is more appropriate. Would you like to see some of the positions I've found advertised with higher salaries? Backing it up with data. This just takes a little bit of preparation. If, you know, one of the easiest ways to get over discomfort is preparation. You know, we've all had that feeling where we were ill-prepared perhaps for an exam or something else. And then through study, through learning, growing our knowledge base, having data to back it up, you know, seeking out the answers beforehand, it became much more comfortable. All right. So how about some scripts on the topic of using the first offer to generate a second offer, right? So the, the end goal and really the, the most powerful way to push your salary up is to have more than one offer. And this is what we train you to do in the Cheeky Scientist Association. Right now, you're going after one job lead at a time. You, you can't believe it if you actually have a company that responds to you. That's how small we think in academia. But you should be going after 30, 40, 50 companies at a time so that you have multiple interviews per week. And then you get one, two, even three job offers at the same time. Or you're so close to getting a job offer with a few different companies that once you get one offer, you go to the other companies and say, hey, I just got an offer. You say a script like this. I feel like I'm about to get another offer from XYZ company or a company in this industry, if you don't want to say the company's name, but I like you better. And then give them a reason for XYZ reason, a reason related to their values or mission statement. Every company wins in some area. So give them some rationale. I want to know where I stand. Can we accelerate this process? If you are interested in me, I am very interested in you, but I'm not going to walk away from a solid offer. These scripts are the most important. If you get an offer from a company, go get a second offer and leverage them against each other. I don't want to be forced to make the decision before I have all the information. Can we speed up the process? I can make a quick decision if we can get this finalized. So again, this is you going to an employer where you've been interviewing or you've had a phone screen or some contact and you've gotten an offer from another company. Or even if you haven't fully got, gotten the offer, you can say, like the first script said, I feel like I'm about to get another offer. And then a, another script for this same situation, I'm about to get an offer from another company, but I like you better for XYZ reasons. What can we do? Now, if you want to just stall the company that gives you the offer, right? So you go to the second company, you're trying to get an offer from them. The first company, they've given you one day, right? Usually they'll give you a couple, but let's say you're down to your last day. Uh, you can give them this script to buy yourself some time. I will be able to respond to your offer by the first of the month. Will that be okay? Or whatever date it is, right? If they've already set a date, circle back to them and say, I know the deadline on the agreement says this. I still have a few things to talk over at home, right? You're appealing to a higher authority here. 
Will it be okay if you give me an extra 24 hours? An extra 24 hours is the gold standard. Okay, so just because this says the first of the month, that's if you're within a day or two of the first of the month, right? Find some sort of anchor, the end of the week, the first of the month. But if you can't find an anchor like that, say within 24 hours. Okay, so what do you do once you have a real job offer? You want to do something that's called really selling yourself into the close. You always want to keep the attention on what you're going to bring to the company and how valuable you are. Okay, so what, did that, what does that look like? This is a, a script that plays out with some back and forth, right? So you might say, I'm so excited. This is, this is fantastic. This is great. Uh, this job aligns perfectly with my background, but I was really hoping for more than that offer. What can we do? This is an open-ended question. Never counter the offer that they've given you, right? When they give you an offer on paper, when they give you an offer on paper, that's when you can negotiate, but don't counter with an actual offer right away. Instead, say, what can we do? Now, very likely because they're trained and they have more training than you, they'll come back to you. They'll play the game by asking you an open-ended question as well. What were you hoping for? And that's when you can go back with another question. Now, you might think this is ridiculous. It's not. As long as the questions follow the right script, as long as the questions make sense, right? Questions going back and forth, they can not make sense. Like if, if you say, well, what can we do? And they say, what are you hoping for? And then you say, well, I don't know. What can you do? That doesn't make sense. That's annoying. But if you say, what can we do? And the hiring manager says, well, what were you hoping for? And then you say, what's possible? Right? You're elevating the question in the right way and at the right sequence and, and in the right cadence. All of this matters. How about this? You say, thank you very much for the offer. I'm very excited to join the company and start working with the team. But I was really hoping for a higher salary. What can we do? Hiring manager might say, we have set pay scales and don't usually negotiate. This is something PhDs come to me all the time as kind of like a, a gotcha. Oh, well, you know, I know I was supposed to negotiate, but they said there, there was a, uh, a pay scale or they said there was a salary cap or they said that everybody in that position is within the same uh, band. If you haven't heard that word before, sometimes hiring managers will use it the same uh, instead of a scale. It's like the, band, the same band of pay. Don't stop. Everything's negotiable. You just have to have the right script. So you might say, okay, great. I understand your policy. Under what circumstances in the past have you raised an initial offer? The hiring manager might say, under some exceptional circumstances, usually people with rare or hard to find skills. It's not over. So you say, okay, then perhaps we can discuss the difference between those candidates for whom you raised the initial offer and me. Would the value I bring to the organization warrant having the kind of salary offer that they received? Another open-ended question. And it's so good. I'll say it again. Would the value I, I will bring to the organization warrant having the kind of salary offer that they received? I know this, and you might follow it up with, I know this position is a great fit for me, and I'm excited to bring my expertise in XYZ field to the organization. Scripts matter. I hope you will come back to these scripts that I'm saying over and over again. Uh, very, very important uh, for you to uh, practice the scripts behaviorally, say them in different ways. Okay, now let's move on to how to negotiate on behalf of someone or something else. Okay, you're obviously negotiating for yourself. It's just the way that you're going to phrase uh, the script. So let's say you say, you, you can say, I've read that a major cause 
of the gender-based wage gap is that women don't negotiate for salary as often as men. So because of that, I want to do my part to reduce this social problem. Uh, and because of that, I have to force myself to ask, can you raise this base salary? Would you give me the same base as a man who negotiated hard for the maximum? Now, this is a great script. Uh, it's one that Don has taught us to use and that many uh, females have used to negotiate because of, of this gender gap. And uh, what's incredible about it is if you look at the, the data from the Harvard Business Review, uh, the statistics vary a bit, but it says uh, the, the reference that I'm referring to said that about 50% of men don't negotiate, but well over 90% of women uh, do not negotiate. Okay. So this is a excellent way to phrase that many people feel comfortable using. Uh, and there's, it's a way that you can, you're referring really uh, when it comes to the negotiation strategy uh, to a higher authority, in this case, a social cause, the, the gender-based wage gap. Uh, you could also say, if it makes, uh, it makes me uncomfortable to negotiate, right? So instead of hiding from it, it makes me uncomfortable to negotiate on behalf of myself, but my mentor coached me that it is expected for professional hires. Since I promised my mentor, I guess I have to follow through. How can we move these numbers up? Again, another incredible script. Now, of course, you want all of this to be true. You want to believe in the social cause uh, that you would use as a higher authority. You want to actually be working with a mentor, right? And I give you permission to allow this radio show uh, to be your mentor or, or me or cheeky scientist. But it allows you to talk about it in a way that decreases friction between you and the hiring manager, the person you're talking to. So if you feel uncomfortable uh, having yourself be the initial uh, authority negotiating for you, uh, you can displace some of that. And it's good for you too, because we understand, right, as PhDs, the power of rationale. What are your reasons? Why are you negotiating? If you don't have a strong reason why you're asking for more money, your ask is going to be very weak, right? It's very, very important to do this. And, and a lot of this is uh, uh, from Sheryl Sandberg's book, Lean In. So if you want to read more about this, uh, look at Sheryl Sandberg's uh, book, Lean In. This is what Don refers to uh, when he does training on this. Uh, another script is, I guess I would be happy with that offer, but I am a breadwinner for my family too. So I guess I have to push back, or I guess I should ask the question, what can we do to increase this base salary? This is likely something that you have not considered. It's a, it's a way of discussing salary that is likely much more comfortable for you as a PhD. So I highly recommend uh, looking into uh, those scripts, practicing them, or scripts like them, and, and start seeing a negotiation from many different angles. Start seeing the important of, of importance of the rationale. Look, if you want to sell somebody else on paying you more, you have to sell yourself first. You have to know that you deserve a higher salary. You have to know your value as a PhD. You have to know a value as, as you, the unique person that you are with your unique skills and experiences your drive, your work ethic, everything that you're going to do for this organization. And you are valuable. You have to know that. All right. So here's some additional scripts for negotiating your base salary. I need to set aside money to pay off my student loans uh, and also help pay for my parents' medical bills. Now, again, this stuff needs to be true. Now, usually an appeal based on personal need is not as persuasive as data, 
right? But there's no harm in asking. Now, you don't want to get too personal, but if there are circumstances, you can mention those circumstances, especially things like student loans when the, you being a PhD student, uh, if that's the case, has likely come up or you know, uh, the deficit that you have likely incurred uh, by being a PhD student or a postdoc at the very least of the opportunity cost. Would you consider what you are offering me to be a competitive salary compared to other companies in the industry? Man, such great questions. Uh, it's taken us years, uh, really almost the entire length of time that Cheeky Scientist has been in existence uh, to get together scripts like this. And it's because of incredible mentors uh, to me and, and people that have come into the organization and just from the thousands of PhDs that we've seen negotiate uh, to be able to put these together. So I hope that you're taking these in. You're not going to find these anywhere else. And I hope that you will practice them and you'll think about how they could be asked in different ways. You have to be prepared for the same question said in a different way. Another, what is the most you offered anyone this year? And what is the difference between that person and me? Do you see how you're putting the impetus back on the company? It's on them to now argue that they should be paying you less in a sense. And they're not going to want to do that. They're not going to want to devalue you because they have to justify wanting to hire you. Again, it seems like a subtle psychological thing because it is. And that's okay. You just have to understand it so that you can make sure you get your value. I really had in mind, here's another one. I really had in mind more than that, but I'm really excited about this opportunity. See, you're selling yourself into the close. What can we do? Here's another. I'd like to move these numbers if we could. I really enjoy that turn of phrase, move the numbers or saying, you know, the numbers don't look quite right because you're putting the attention on the numbers, not on you. Again, it's like appealing to a higher authority, the authority being the numbers, the math. How much room is there to move these numbers? One more for this situation. How do we need to bring, uh, or who do we need to bring into the loop to get closer to the maximum you're willing to offer? Now, this is pretty assertive. So you, you can use it in a specific circumstance. You, you got to be careful with how you phrase it too, because you don't want to uh, essentially tell the person, hey, you're, you know, you're not getting it done. You're not the decision maker. Uh, let's override what you're saying. But you could say, you know, who would we have to bring into the conversation to be able to get to uh, a ma the maximum you're willing to offer? And maybe you can take away the word maximum and say, who, who could we bring into the conversation to be able to bump up the salary just a little bit more? Something like that. Uh, if said at the right time, and if they clearly want you, especially if you have another offer on the table, uh, can work really, really well. Now, we do get a lot of questions too about how to turn down an offer. You can't just ignore an offer that somebody gave you and take another offer because you don't want to deal with the situation of rejecting uh, another company. But sometimes you have to, especially if it's a very low offer. This comes up a lot for PhDs because we don't go after our dream positions. We have been beat down by academia for too long. We stop knowing our value. That's why I'm always telling you to remember your value as a PhD. So very often, a, a PhD who gets into our organization, they will have received an offer from a company, but the company's you know, offered to pay them less than they would have gotten as a postdoc. And it's because they did their entire job search incorrectly, and they were going after uh, jobs that were beneath them. 
Uh, and they, they come to us when they first get in and say, how do, I, how do I reject this job offer? Now that I know my value and I know this process and I know I can get a better job, I need to reject this offer. So here are some scripts for this situation. If the offer is very low, you can say, that's uh, too far below what I believe I can make elsewhere. It's a shame too, because I really like your organization. Would you like me to make some recommendations for people in my network who might be interested? And would you please keep me in mind for any positions that pay more? Don't burn the bridge. You never know. You never know. I've seen companies come back to a person and offer them double, double what the initial offer was. They thought, oh, this PhD doesn't know their value. We're going to pay them lower than people on the in organization with a bachelor's. They come back and offer double. Or they'll come back to them in six months and give them a very high salary and a high level position because of the way they handle themselves and because of this professional script. Another way to turn down any offer is to say, I really appreciate all of the hard work you went through to get this offer. I even feel somewhat guilty letting you know there is another offer at a company that I feel I have a better fit with. I appreciate your work on my behalf. You went above and beyond the call of duty, and I recognize and acknowledge that. I will always think fondly of XYZ Company, and it's mainly due to your efforts. I'm sure our paths will cross again in the future, and if I can ever do anything for you, you can count on me. Don't burn the bridge. Always be offering value. You're selling into the close, even if the close is you not taking the offer. Now, you can also punt their request, right? Or punt the offer, uh, refusing to commit, right? Prematurely by saying a script like this. Unfortunately, I can't commit to signing yet. I'm not yet at that stage where I can make a final decision. As I told you, I need to bring this home and think it over, right? So you're appealing to a higher authority. Choosing the company I'm going to spend the next several years with is a serious commitment for me and my family. So I want to make sure I make a well thought out decision, right? Then you sell into the close. I really like the assignment at this company. And I can assure you that I am not pursuing this for any frivolous reason whatsoever. I love that at the end because you don't want to seem flaky. You don't want to seem non-committal for no reason at all. But it is okay to say, I can't commit to this in two days. Going back to if you want a little bit more time to go back to other offers, if you're not quite sure this is the right fit for you, explain it. I, I can't commit to this yet. This is a big decision. I'm going to need 48 more hours. Right? Let's say you want to extend it past that 24-hour uh, gold standard that I told you about previously. This is a great script for doing so. Okay, well, how do you negotiate beyond salary? Let's talk about scripts for a signing bonus. Now, the key here is you, know, you never ask if there's a signing bonus. You ask them what the signing bonus is. You jump right into it. Great. I really appreciate this. Thanks for going to bat for me on, our, on the salary. But now can we discuss what my signing bonus will be? Or fantastic. I'm very excited about this position. Can we discuss what my signing bonus will be now? I'm glad we established what the base salary would be. That's great. What will my signing bonus be? Now, if they say, we don't give a signing bonus, remember, everything's negotiable. There's a script for every response they could possibly give you. In this case, a great script to use is, oh, wow, that's a real surprise. New truck drivers are getting $5,000 signing bonuses in Tulsa right now. I'm sure I'm worth more than a truck driver, so I just assume that there would be a signing bonus. What's possible? Now, you might think that this is assertive, but it's not. This is the power of data. If you have data, if you have information, you know that truck drivers commonly get signing bonuses. And you might know that there's a lot of truck drivers in 
uh, Oklahoma, in Tulsa. Uh, so this script, again, I'll say it again. Oh, my God, that's a real surprise. Or, oh, wow, that's a real surprise. New truck drivers are getting $5,000 signing bonuses in Tulsa right now. I'm sure I'm worth more than a truck driver. So I just assumed there would be a signing bonus. What's possible? And I want to reiterate that open-ended question. It's short. It's very conversational. It's very casual. What's possible? What more could we do here? End with an open-ended question. It's very, very powerful, and it helps ease any tension. It makes it conversational. It makes it casual. lowers uh, any sort of friction between you and the other party. Now, other scripts related to signing bonuses could be, oh, that's great. I really appreciate it. Is there anything we can do to make that higher? So again, you're just coming back to the same open-ended questions you used for base salary for your signing bonus. And to understand the sizes of signing bonuses that you can get as a PhD, the sky is always the limit. Very commonly, $10,000, $15,000. That's the, the, I would say, the median range for PhDs in our association. Another script, under what circumstances in the past have you ever given a higher signing bonus? These scripts, once again, are very similar to the scripts you used for the salary, the base salary. That's okay. You can still use them for every rung in the ladder as you're going from the first negotiation to the second and the third. Now, many of you, this might be a surprise for you if you're listening to this radio show for the first time or hearing me talking about negotiations for the first time, uh, but you're not just negotiating once. It's a process. You have to negotiate things in the right order, base salary first, because that is repetitive. It repeats every year. It's your annual salary. Then your signing bonus. Then you can start negotiating things like stock or equity options. You can bring this up with scripts like these. Can you help me understand the options for equity participation, profit sharing, stock options, grants, 401k match, whatever it is? It's, or it's fantastic that this offer includes stock options. Can you help me understand these options further? How do they work exactly? Don't wait till you get hired and then get the pamphlet by the company about how the stock options work. Find out how they work now and see if you can get additional options. Or can we discuss what the options for equity participation are? Right? So again, you're not asking if there's equity participation. You're asking what the options are for equity participation. Relocation allowance comes up a lot. Many of you will be relocating for your first industry positions or your next industry positions. So again, you bring it up with a script like this. Can you tell me about your relocation assistance? Not, will I be reimbursed? You ask them, what is the process for reimbursement? I'd like to discuss a relocation allowance. Can you tell me what the company usually offers in terms of relocation packages? Or this script, can you get me XYZ days or months in a corporate apartment? That way I don't have to be distracted, right? So you're, you're, you're giving them a reason, rationale. That way I don't have to be distracted by trying to find a place to live and I can focus on the job for those first few days, months, whatever the time period is. And a very common request would be two to three months of corporate housing. Sometimes you can get six months. Now, special terms and circumstances. These can always be challenging. They should always be last. These are just some examples from our association. I need a week off around the 4th of July every year, and I need that to be written into the offer because it's important to me. My XYZ family or friends or whatever it is, we're renting a houseboat. We go here, or we go on this trip, whatever it is, it's a special circumstance very often related to travel or a special event, get it written in the contract, but bring it up at the very end. So they're 
the least likely to go back on all of the work they've done for all of the larger items in the negotiation. You know, I'm a, I'm a long-term visitor to this event every year. Or I have lifetime tickets to this or a season pass to these ski slopes, whatever it is. Make sure you bring this up at the end. I take the occasional three to four day weekend, uh, but I have to tell you, I'd never leave you uh, high and dry without communicating. I always schedule my vacations. I don't want you to misinterpret my interest in having enough relief time to recharge my batteries and to do a good job with any lack of interest in my career. It's the opposite. I need this time specifically because I am that interested in my career. That is a script you want to use. Tons of rationale there for asking for an extra week of vacation, for example. Right? This can be tricky because you don't want to tell the employer, hey, I'm really excited to come on here, but I need extra time off. They're going to think that you're just trying to get a job and then trying to milk the job. So provide lots of rationale. Tell them that the reason for it is the ability to recharge so that you can be even more productive while you're there. If it's not your first industry job, you might say a script like this. I already had two weeks accrued at my last job, so I'm not really excited about starting over. Can we at least match what I had at my previous job? Excellent script. You probably, if you, if you have a job in an industry right now, I'm guessing you never even thought of that. You never thought about leveraging the vacation time that you have stored up at your current position for your next position. Okay, so lots of scripts that we went through here. As far as ending a negotiation session, this is the script that I'm going to leave you with. As far as ending a negotiation session, whether it's through a video call, phone call, in person, you can say, I'm going to send you an email that memorializes our discussions today. Right? Always get it down on paper, on email, somewhere where you can refer to it later. This is if the negotiation is ongoing. Again, I'm going to send you an email that memorializes our discussions today. If there's anything wrong or mistaken with what I send you, please let me know right away. Again, get it down on paper, whether you are pulling out data using the briefcase technique or you're recording what was said, what was agreed to. It's important to use as leverage in the negotiation, and that's a strength that you will have as a PhD. Hopefully, these scripts helped you. Thank you all for joining. Remember your value as a PhD and start thinking and acting like a successful industry professional. I'm Isaiah Henkel, the founder of Cheeky Scientist and the creator of the Cheeky Scientist Association. I wanted to quickly tell you that memberships into the association are available to PhDs listening to Cheeky Scientist Radio by using the coupon code CheekyRadio at www.phdsgethired.com. That's phdsgethired.com, P-H-D-S-G-E-T-H-I-R-E-D.com. Simply type phdsgethired.com into your website browser, scroll down to the orange membership button and click on it, then enter the coupon code CheekyRadio to get 20% off a lifetime membership now. That's Cheeky Radio, C-H-E-E-K-Y-R-A-D-I-O. Remember your value as a PhD and start thinking and acting like a successful industry professional. Are you worried about the rapidly shrinking job market? Like me, have you been seeing more and more articles on universities shutting down their research labs, furloughing employees, cutting postdocs and TAs, 
and even withdrawing PhD student funding? If so, it might be wise to start taking steps to protect your PhD career. You've worked very hard and very intelligently for years to establish yourself, but likely you have not reached your full career potential yet. Perhaps you're not even getting respect and you're not getting the rewards that you deserve. The good news is you can get into an industry career where you can get paid well for doing meaningful work. All you need is the right knowledge and the right network. The Cheeky Scientist Association gives you lifetime access to the world's number one PhD-only job search training platform with multiple courses and the PhD-only job referral network of over 10,000-plus industry PhDs. Now is your chance to become a lifetime member for 20% off of the association. Just use the coupon code CheekyRadio at www.phdsgethired.com. That's phdsgethired.com. P-H-D-S-G-E-T-H-I-R-E-D.com. Simply type phdsgethired.com into your website browser, scroll to the orange membership button, and click on it, and enter the coupon code CheekyRadio to get 20% off a lifetime membership now. No recurring monthly fees, no recurring annual fees, Nobody else offers this. PhDsgethired.com. Use the coupon code CheekyRadio. Remember your value as a PhD, and remember that knowledge is power, and your network is your net worth. Oh,